Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And I'm going to open my Bible and then we'll get into this. I'm excited for these next couple of verses here that we're going to get into. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And I just want to read my introduction here while you're getting there. Last week we taught through verses 16 and 17. We learned in verse 16 that a disciple of the Lord, as a disciple of the Lord, that we are told, or we are to hold out the word of life as a beacon of light for all to see and follow. How many know you do that through your words and actions? Amen? Okay. So, and it, it includes like facial expressions and stuff like that. So, um, there's a translation on the love of God, uh, on the... On the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, there's a particular translation. I think it's Weymouth's, but I'm not for sure. But it says that the love of God, um, it softens or makes uh, uh, more appealing to people everything about you. Like your facial expressions, everything. It removes the harsh and austere. Have you ever looked at somebody and you thought, they're always in a bad mood? Now, sometimes, I mean, we've all had a look on our face like we were in a bad mood. But if that's like your permanent, you may wonder why you don't have any friends. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we believe in seed time and harvest, right? Sometimes people will say, I've been told this, I just, I don't, nobody likes me. <laughs> this was probably when I was in youth, as a youth pastor more than... Uh, as far as adults go, I don't hear that a lot from adults, but I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have, you know, this and that. Well, if you want a friend, you need to, exactly, be a friend. I mean, we learned this in grade school, but the idea, as far as biblically and scripturally, if I, if I want to harvest something, I need to what? I need to sow it, right? So I need to sow that. And so um, we, we can hold out the truth and have the truth on our face and on our being. And, and Paul said, he said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make what? No provision for the flesh. Um, I'm an expressive person, so I have to be aware, and sometimes I'm not always the best at it, but I have to be aware of what's on my face because I can really tell you a lot without saying much because I'll show it. I'll show it on my face. Now, that doesn't mean you should run around and judge everybody's face and go, ooh, they're in a bad mood. Take the opportunity to sow the life of Christ, yeah, to them. And maybe even if they are having a bad day, you'll be the opportunity to brighten it, right? Um, and so uh, uh, that's, a, that's something to, uh, where we can hold out that beacon. And we saw that in verse 16, that beacon of life, the word of life, life as a beacon of light for all to see and follow. We also learned that as disciples, we should be pouring out our lives as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of others' faith. A good picture of this is seen here in the example that Paul is using of Jesus and himself. Later on in this message, we will see this, is the, this includes the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus as well. 
Before we get into verse 18 of Philippians 2, I want to look at where Paul learned this truth about being poured out as a drink offering as found in Numbers 15. So now I'm going to ruin what I did earlier and have you turn to Numbers 15. All right? And then we'll, you, if you want to hold your finger in Philippians 2, we'll be going back to there. So I want to read this to you again because I wasn't able to get into this you know, as much as I maybe, maybe wanted to, but I wanted you to at least see this principle and where the Holy Spirit brought this truth from to Paul and translated it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Paul's thoughts, and this is actual commentary on verse 17, Paul's thoughts turn briefly back to himself in verse 17. The language of this verse is taken from a sacrifice, the sacrificial imagery of the Old Testament. It is unlikely that the apostle has a foreboding of his martyrdom here. How many realize that Paul's last letter was 2 Timothy? He knew he was going to die at that point. Now, what I've understood about Paul in studying these, these, uh, this verse by verse, and I've only gotten one and a half chapters through one book, but even in just reading our Bible reading, what I realize about Paul, and you, as you guys are reading, pay attention to the analogies that are used by the Holy Spirit through the writer, to the words that are being used. Even if you don't know, you know, you don't need to know Greek and Hebrew, because how many know the author of the book is the Holy Spirit, and he's in you, okay? So I've actually read passages of Scripture, and the Holy Spirit has has said to me, this is what I'm saying. And then later on, I've gone back to commentaries and read, and it's exactly what he was saying. Because the author is in you, because you're born again, right? Now, I'm not saying throw out the book. I think that's foolishness, that people that do that, that's foolish. Because the written word was given to us, and it survived many dictators trying to destroy it. You know, and it continues to be the number one best-selling book of all time, <laughs> right? So listen to the verbiage. But what I was going to say in this is this. What I realize about Paul is, He was always ready to die for the Lord. I've come to this conclusion about him, and I'm still allowing the full thought to be reinforced with scriptures. But I see it repeatedly, so I can't can't make a definitive that this is all there is, but I can make a pretty strong argument that what Paul understood about the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ was this, that it was a daily thing, so that when it came time... I don't know if he knew that he was going to be a martyr, but he just practiced giving up his own way to the Lord repeatedly to the point of even giving up his physical body for the Lord repeatedly to where when it came time, how many know he had accessed grace all along the way so well when it came time to give up his life for the Lord, he was like, let's do this. I don't think he was, there was fear in him. Now, I do believe he probably felt fear come in your physical. But how many have recognized this? There are areas of your life as you've walked with the Lord longer and longer and longer that where before you were intimidated or afraid of this, after time it's just like you don't even recognize it. You know? How many are not as insecure as you were in high school? Right? It's like, get married and have a few kids and like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so, 
I don't think he was specifically talking about his martyrdom here in verse 17. Because he said this, after all it states this, he was confident that his current imprisonment would not end in death. And we saw that in Philippians 1 verse 25. Rather, he is reflecting on his own ministry and that of the Philippians as they seek to make the gospel known in their community. Paul refers to his own experience in, in prison as being a drink offering. The Philippians' own struggle as a church to work out their salvation is what Paul means by the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. So in other words, Paul's referring to what they're doing as a sacrifice offering and what he's doing as a what? A drink offering, right? Okay, so if, as Paul puts it, their obedience is like a sacrifice to God, his current struggles in prison are like a libation or a drink offering that accompanies that sacrifice. The appropriate response to both of these situations is to rejoice together. Isn't that interesting? Now, this is sacrifice. When you, when you think of sacrifice, you don't think, um, I'm getting what I want. If you do, you don't know what sacrifice means, okay? Most people are more than willing to have you sacrifice for them. (laughs) But disciples rejoice in being poured out on somebody else's sacrifice. In other words, and he says it, the sacrifice and service of your faith, in other words, I rejoice in empowering you to succeed. Why can I do that? Because my master did. And that, to me, this is a a major, uh, uh, this is a, 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 a deeper, more meaty revelation of what it means to carry the Christ in you than now, I'm going to say this. I come from this camp, so I can. Then a new Mercedes, a bigger house, more money, better suits, better shoes, better... Do you see what I'm saying? Now, I don't, God could care less about those things. I know maybe it's something else for you. It's probably not a Mercedes. It's probably a... It's not for me. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and I'm going to get over to numbers here. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus... Thank you. (laughs) In other words, all of those other things, like those natural things, are really very, it's just a small bit. It's on the weaker side of being a disciple for the Lord. The, the, The stronger side of this now, this isn't going to be a you know, high-end jump-and-shout service, just so you know. The stronger side of this is, is I'm going to give up my way so that Dale can get to where he needs to get spiritually. Watch. Not like, oh, well, I guess it's the Christian thing to do. But glory to God, Dale broke through. 
He got where he, he grew spiritually. And that's what God's looking for. How many know fire comes out of heaven to consume that sacrifice? Whoo, glory to God. Not religious, you know what I mean? Not just religious actions, but this true, and see, here's the thing. People go, well, I can't do that. You're wrong. You have the nature in you to do it. It's the fight to get your mind in line with your heart. That's the main fight. Because the devil's going to tell you how sorry you are. And your flesh will, and some of you have been trained to tell you how sorry you are. And that's not what conviction is. Conviction is not just, <laughs> you know, just beating the snot out of you <laughs> with everything you do wrong. Conviction is showing things that are wrong, but from the motivation of, that's going to kill you, and I love you, so I want you to go this way. Right? That's how you discipline your kids, right? I mean, the Lord, the Lord is, that's how he disciplines us that way. He's doing it from the motivation of, how much did I pay for that person? I must really love them. So I'm going to work with them. Even if everybody else abandons them, I'm going to work with them. But really, as the church, we're supposed to be at that level where we're going, okay, we're going to stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. Amen? Amen? Even if, even if it looks like it's not working, that doesn't matter because we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, Numbers 15, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have come into the land you are to inhabit, which I am giving to you. Notice, he gave it to them, but they, they had to inhabit it. That's how all the promises are. And you make an offering by fire to the Lord. Excuse me, a burnt offering or a sacrifice. Does that language sound familiar? To fulfill a vow or as a free will offering or in your appointed feasts to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock. Now, I'm going to say something here. The representation of the herd or the flock in verse 17 of Philippians 2 is the Philippian church. So the sacrifice offering, I can't make for you. I can only make that for me. You say, what is that? That is, you put yourself on the altar as a sacrifice to the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, and so that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, he's saying uh, 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 or in numbers here, this is what's being said. They're, they're bringing something from their flock. Then, he says this, Then he who presents the offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah, of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of oil, and one-fourth of a hen of wine as a what? Drink offering. You shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb. Or for a ram, you shall prepare as a grain offering, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-third of a hen of oil. And as a drink offering, you shall offer one-third of a hen of wine on a, as a sweet aroma to the Lord. 
And when you prepare a young bull or a burnt offering or a sacrifice or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then shall be offered with the young bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with half a hen of oil. And you shall bring as the drink offering half a hen of wine as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So in other words... I'm going to go ahead for my personal life and lay out on the altar and allow the fire of God to consume my life. And then Jody's going to come along and go, I'm going to help that and dump the drink offering, which she can't be my sacrifice for me, but she can add to it in Christian love and service to me. And God does what? He smells it. And it's a sweet aroma to the Lord. Do you see that? In other words, it is important that we do what? Encourage, build up, strengthen each one of us in the Lord and what we're called to do. Right? So we should, um, not actually, but... Uh, symbolically or in our hearts carry this mentality of I got wine, oil, wheat where's my brother and sister need help and then as they are laying down their life for what God has called them to do we come, come along and go yeah let me encourage you in that amen and then God sees and, and, and fire comes down I mean we can pray all day long for the fire. But I, there's, still, there's still things that we have to correct and get right in us, right? Did you know this? And I know you know this, but I, I want to say this. The Lord doesn't waste his things. And I'm going to say this too. We're not waiting on him. We are, but we aren't. How many know the Lord doesn't struggle for patience? Do you think in the relationship, we've talked about this before. It's good to keep it before us though because it keeps us in that place of humility. Do you think the Lord is in heaven going, you know, when I get my stuff together, I'm gonna move in their life. (laughs) And sometimes people don't like that statement because they think, well, you're saying I have to earn it. No, 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 I'm not saying you have to earn it. What we have to do is actually get in line in our will to what he's already provided in us because he knows if he pours out everything that he is on a sacrifice that isn't ready, it, it could potentially do more harm than good. Amen? Okay? Because if we, you know, you, and people don't, they don't, sometimes we don't think about this because we get in our natural thinking about some of these things, but you do realize that Ananias and Sapphira died in the middle of a great revival, or revival, move of God, whatever you want to call it. You do realize that happened. How many know it's not God's main design to have to have that happen and then people are afraid to join the church? (laughs) You know what I mean? Talk about not (laughs) seeker-friendly. Right? Okay? So I think about these things. And you know, I mean, I, I don't get overly legalistic with it. I keep moving forward with the Lord and I know the Lord's moving. How many know this? The Lord is moving at the max that he can in our life right now. He is. He's not withholding. Amen? 
All right, let's get down to verse 18 here. Philippians chapter 2. We'll go back over there. Sorry, I had, probably still had you in numbers. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 18. I'm going to read 17. Paul says this. He says, yes, I am, uh, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So when we think of words like sacrifice and service and Uh, we think of certain things when it comes to faith, but we should think of sacrifice and service when it comes to faith as well. But usually we don't think of sacrifice and service and think joy, but you should, because it's right there. Now watch what Paul says in verse 18. For the same reason you also what? Be glad and what? Rejoice with me. Whoa. That means we're both being happy about sacrifice and service. That's exactly right. You're happy about it. You're happy about it. You've got joy. Now, this has got to be supernatural. We know it isn't carnal. Because most people are not doing things out of their flesh and out of the nature of the flesh going that they that their flesh doesn't want to do, going, yes, this is awesome. We are dying. (laughs) But that's scripture. Paul said, we we talked about it on Sunday. I might have got a little too rowdy with it, but you'll forgive me. Um, In 1 Corinthians, uh, or in 2 Corinthians, I believe 4 is where I was. I'm not going to go there right now. Uh, But Paul makes these statements. I could be wrong on that address. I might be. But it's in 2 Corinthians somewhere, so you should find it. Okay. So, (laughs) Paul said this. I carry about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's not a common confession for people especially word of faithers. And then he says this, that the life of the Lord Jesus may manifest in my flesh. In other words, a key to receiving supernatural divine energy in my flesh is to put my body to death. Now, what what did Paul say? Remember, he said, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and what? No provision for the flesh. What did he say in Galatians 5? He said, therefore, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the desires, lusts of the flesh. Because we all know that those who sow to the flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But if I carry about in my body the dying of Jesus then the life of Jesus can get into my flesh. Now, that'll mess with your head. But you see the principle, right? And Paul was constantly doing this as I read through the epistles. This is what I believe part of martyrdom is. And we think of martyrdom, we think of one event, right? But really, if you look at what Paul said repeatedly, he'll say it over and over again. He'll say, we died to ourselves. He'll make statements like this. We have the sentence of death in ourselves, 
that the life of God may manifest in you. What is that? That's being what? Poured out. And yet he, uh, I believe, if I know my history, if I remember my numbers right, I know the Apostle John lived to be the oldest because they couldn't boil the boy. They, they tried to deep fry him, didn't work. Finally, they're just like, well, put him on an island. And then he got revelation. <laughs> but here's the thing. I think Paul lived to be in his 80s. If, the, if, the, if, if I remember the history right. So that means he was always ready to die because he knew the Lord. He probably, well, I know he wanted to go to heaven at times, which everybody's been there, right? <clears throat> Anybody that's lived a little while has been there. Because sometimes that seems more like this is going to be easier just to do this. Am I the only one that's ever felt that? Okay, I'm just wondering. Jeez, I got the temperature too hot in here? Or? All right. Let me like that cross. Dale, Dale made that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, just wait till we light it up. All right, so anyway, <laughs> speaking of death, <laughs> but what he did raise, but listen, you don't get a resurrection without a death. You do not, right? You have to have a death to yourself in order for life to come forth. And that's always tough. But I love what Paul does here. And, and the reason, and maybe the Lord's going to have to change my language on this because I'll say the words, you know, like that's tough. But here Paul says, let's rejoice about it. Man, the other day somebody cut me off and I was patient. I felt like killing him. I was patient. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it, Ron. I still have it. All right. So it's an inside joke. All right. So. Or, or whatever it was, my spouse did this, and I felt like going off, but I didn't. I controlled myself. Congratulations. You put the death of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in your body so that the life of the Lord Jesus Christ could function. You did it. Way to go. Yeah, that's rejoice material, right? That's like, hey, we're making it. We're, do- we're growing. We're developing. Amen? We're getting there. So personal sacrifice and service to others in the body of Christ, this is still verse 18, I'm just making comments here. Personal sacrifice and service to the others in the body of Christ is something that believers should rejoice with each other about. When we talk about how much work we are doing for the Lord, it should not come across in mournful tones looking for self-pity, but rather with rejoicing because we are living after the example of Christ in our lives. Now, don't think I'm going to go to the point where you're supposed to, you know, wear yourself out. Because that's not what I'm, I mean, Epaphroditus will hit that at the end, Paul does, just to bring balance to it. If our service to the Lord and his body is absent of gladness and rejoicing, then we are either in the wrong place or we are not doing it with a right heart. Most of the time, it is because we are not doing it with a right heart. (laughs) A right heart is seen in being glad and rejoicing in sacrifice because of what is being accomplished in the spiritual development of others. Amen. Serving the Lord will always cost your flesh to one degree or another. 
it will be an inconvenience. How many have noticed that? How many have noticed that people need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you? Have you noticed that? I have, you know, uh, for hospital visitation, things like that. We haven't had a ton of that here. Of course, COVID shut a lot of that down this last year. But when I was a youth pastor, it didn't matter what I had going on. It didn't matter if I had service that night. I mean, I had to be back for service. But there were things that the devil would do in people's lives as a pastor, and it was never, you know, nobody ever passed away at a convenient time. <laughs> How many know death is always inconvenient? <laughs> okay? It just is. But that's the world we live in. So I shouldn't get upset about it. I shouldn't get upset about it. Serving the Lord will always cost your flesh, and to one degree or another will be an inconvenience. So you see why it is called a sacrifice. You are placing your flesh on the altar. Now listen, you're going to love this. I know I did. <laughs> but it's good revelation truth to the fact that we, our flesh is not that important. Say this with me. My flesh is not God. Sacrifice is defined as, as the act of offering or that which is offered. One definition uses the word victim. That's sacrifice, victim, okay? So listen. So basically, if your flesh feels like a victim of death in what you are doing, you could very well be in the will of God. <laughs> People are like, no, I don't want it to be that way. It is that way. It is absolutely that way. It is one thing for me to sit thousands of years later from when Paul wrote this and look back and go, look at the revelation he got and ignore the fact that he's in prison. Yeah. Stings a little bit for me. But it's a good sting. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Wait a minute. Why am I in this? Why am I? What is discipleship? Let's move on to verse 19. It's going to get gooder. As we look at verse 19, Paul now shifts to another example of service to the church in the person of Timothy. He says, but I trust or hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, as soon as possible, is what that means. That I, may, that I also may be encouraged or to feel comfort when I know your state. The Amplified says it this way, this way, but I hope and trust in the Lord Jesus soon to send Timothy to you so that I may also be encouraged and cheered by learning news of you. So Timothy is an example of another believer who looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of who? Others. So Paul wants to send Timothy uh, to them so that he can know what? Their state. So Paul obviously has a care for these people. 
Now, there's a couple of things I saw in this verse, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. One, he says, I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, which means he didn't know for sure if he was going to or not. In other words, Paul said, I think it would be a good idea to send Timothy to you, but I'm waiting to hear from the Lord on this. Have you ever, has anybody ever said something like that to you, or have you said that? You, you kind of thought, maybe I'm going to do this, but I'm really just waiting on the Lord to see what it's going to be. How many know Paul was human? Okay? I know sometimes people think that, like, Jesus and Paul were, you know, maybe close and level, <laughs> but that's not the case. Jesus, I mean, Paul understood things to the point where you see Paul's natural side right here. He wants to know their state so that what? He can be comforted. That doesn't mean Paul was living in worry. I mean, you know, it's okay to be concerned about people around you. And then okay to reach out and know, hey, wait a minute, I've been thinking about so-and-so. Well, give them a call and find out what's going on. Amen? And you'll hear and you can be comforted by knowing where they're at. Does that make sense? Okay. I got to get a little wet my whistle here. All right. Let's get down to verse 20. I, wanna, I may end up ending right here. It'll be close. Verse 20. Watch what Paul says. For I have no one what? Like-minded who will what? Sincerely care for your state. The Amplified says, For I have no one like him, no one of so kindred a spirit, who will be genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your, not their own, interests. This is what maturity looks like. Maturity cares more about what the other person, come on, this is discipleship here, right? So what do we see? We see Paul speaks of Timothy as someone who is like-minded or that the word in the Greek actually is equal-souled. Equal, so they're of equal soul, equal like-minded. They're of the same soul, the same mind. With him in his care for the Philippian church. Timothy had care for the state, for their state, and this care was a deep and abiding care. Come on, in chapter one we read this. And this is still messing with me. I'm praying about it because I know it's in me because I have the same Christ in me that Paul had in him. But Paul says, makes these statements like, I love you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, that's like going down the, the card aisle during Valentine's Day, you know? N nothing about that strikes me as, yeah, you know? Like, it, that's like teddy bears and ooey. But that's not what it is. The affection... <laughs> The affection of Jesus Christ, because I, I have too much of a worldly definition of some of those. I, I mean, if I went up to some of, some of the guys that I know, or if they came up to me, man, I just have great affection for you. I'd be like, okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. We got to put some definition to this. Jesus, you got to help me here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, okay. And I know there's things I don't understand here but I have fear sometimes about that. All right, so, but I'm growing, bless the Lord. But apparently, there's a depth of understanding of the revelation of Paul had about Christ in him that, that motivated him to do things that a normal person would not. To love at a level where I... And he put it, 
he, he trained Timothy, and Timothy followed him. I mean, Rick was talking about this on, on Sunday morning with uh, what it means to be a leader or a mentor and have a student or a disciple under you. And, you, and one of those, his points was, is you look around to, for the qualities of Christ in somebody, and you follow and mimic what they do. Paul said, follow me as I follow Now, what was that? That was two things. Really good teaching and a scapegoat for Paul. Right? Come on, you read that. I read that. I go, oh, good job, Paul. You did it. You gave gave yourself a way out. Because what did Paul know? I could miss it, but Christ never will. And so with Timothy here, he sees somebody who will go into this church of the Philippians, and go, all right, Lord, how do we help them? Show me, Holy Spirit. What do we need to teach on? What's the condition of the people? How are the sheep? What do the sheep look like? What's going on? Where Where have wolves gotten in? What do we need to drive out here? We need to get them over to some water because they look dehydrated. You see what I'm saying? And that's, what, that's how Paul was thinking. And I'm going, we have this spirit in us. But I was not, naturally, we're not, the world does not go this direction. The world goes the opposite. It walks into a room of people and says, who's going to help me? Right? I'm guilty of this. I mean, I'm guilty of acting like the world. I really need help. I really need help for me and mine and me. And you don't know how bad it is. But as a believer, if I've been saved for any length of time, I've really been fellowshipping with the Lord, I turn the robe around and become the doctor. Not that I know it all, but what am I doing? I'm looking to be a caretaker I'm looking to be a I'm looking to what? Naturally, I'm going to care for your state. And that doesn't come carnal naturally, that comes spirit naturally. So he says, Paul and Timothy had a deep abiding care for the state of the church at Philippi. While I do believe this care is in reference to natural things, of course it does. The Lord cares about our natural things. Amen. I believe more importantly, as we see in many of Paul's letters, that this is referring to their spiritual state. How many know if you have to pick between a strong body and a bright mind and a weak spirit versus a strong spirit, a not-so-bright mind and a weak body? You pick the strong spirit. Because the strong spirit can fix, come on, the resurrection can change the mind and the body. But it can't go the other way, right? Our spiritual state should always rank higher than our mental and physical state. Our mental and physical state should be made to line up with our spiritual state. So as as you keep growing, now people will do this, they'll go, I just can't do it. You're right, you can't. But fellowship with the Lord, His power in you, and you will dominate. Because I'm going to do a series on this, but we are to possess our vessel that's all of it how by the grace of god by grace 
through faith. Amen? There were others Paul could send to Philippi, but none had the true love and affection for the people that Timothy had. Timothy had stayed behind in Philippi to lead the church where there when Paul and Silas traveled to Thessalonica and Berea. Timothy knew the heart of the people. Paul was sure the church at Philippi would genuinely receive Timothy and he would truly receive them. Paul also knew the report Timothy would bring back would be uh, filled with love and truth. Timothy had the same love and affection for the Philippians as Paul did. They were like-minded or equal-souled of the same soul. Timothy was like a son to Paul in the ministry. When Timothy went into a situation, he tried to handle it as if Paul were there himself. Paul knew this and put great confidence in him. Where does this level of love and service come from? This love and service comes from the nature of Christ within every believer. Why don't we see more of this level of love and service? Most believers live from their flesh and unrenewed mind, and so will never reach this level of obedience. Remember earlier in the chapter where Paul refers to Jesus and the level of obedience he demonstrated to the Father. He became obedient unto even the death of the... Ooh, glory. I believe this verse shows a high level of of Ephesians 4.13. We grow to the measure of the stature of Christ. Remember, we are not talking about preachers flying around in private jets. And I'm not against, I don't care if you have a private jet. Doesn't matter to me. When this church first started, we had a, a, a guy that would come every once in a while, and he would fly in on a private jet. He, he let me know. Whoop-de-doo. I don't care. <laughs> I could care less. Oh, you got money. Good job. What does that mean? I know, I know money that are, I know people who have money that are releasing hell left and right with it. And I'm not saying this person was, but it's like, I don't care. I, 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 I say this a lot. And, and guys, you know this. I'm not against prosperity. You can have the nicest thing. I don't care if you drive a Bentley. You know, I watched a documentary on them. <laughs> I know a thing or two. From that. Yeah. All it means is your pile of ashes is going to be bigger than mine. That's all it means. But if I can pour my life out, because of the grace of God, for your faith, and you to develop where you're supposed to, I know, like Paul said, they're stored up for me in heaven. I stop, the Lord, as, as the process of this has gone on with me, he's, I, my mind shifts. I'm not thinking, I used to think all the time, how do I get it out of heaven into here? You know, maybe, Lord, pluck up a piece of the pavement up there, and throw it down where nobody else is around because I don't want anybody to get hurt. Lord, just give me some of the stones out of the river in the... Because they're precious stones, right? No, what do I need? I want, I want you there. 
If I know my Lord, I want you there, and I don't want you just in a gown of salvation. I want you walking in, decked out in a robe of righteousness. Mature in the Lord, able to step through eternal doors, going, Lord, what's next? Are we going to Mars? What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In other words, this is the shortest thing I'm going to do. And I keep saying it and saying it, and I'm doing it on purpose. Not only do I want to build that into your mentality, I'm building it into mine. The same thing. This is the shortest thing I'm ever going to do. My dad's there, my grandpa's there, my mom was there, my muffa's there. People are like, who's Momo and Muffa? They're my mother's father and mother's mother. And a bunch of others are already there. And I want them to go, yeah, we looked over, and we saw what you were doing, Sean. I'm serious about that. I think about that. I heard Lester Summerall say years ago, I live every day for the day I stand before the Lord. That'll make a mark on you. Remember, we are not talking about preachers flying around in private jets. We are talking about ministers under arrest, traveling through land with thieves, wild animals, uh, or over water with its dangers. We are talking about traveling extended lengths of time from one place to another with no cell phones, no email, and no Facebook. In other words, it cost them a bunch. How much is it costing me? And people say, well, you're trying to earn your salvation. No, I am not. But I certainly don't want to waste the deposit God made. And I have a healthy fear about it. And it's getting stronger. To the point where you don't have to be right anymore. (laughs) You know, I tell my kids sometimes... I say, uh, you can stand, please. We're gonna, we gotta end here. I wanna keep going, but I got through two verses. I'm good. Actually, I might have got through three. Okay. <laughs> but sometimes I watch this. Okay. Don't talk to my son about this, all right? I'm just giving you an example. <laughs> I use my kids as examples because they're my kids. He told me, you know, we have the countdown video. And he says, did you see me on the countdown video? I said, no. He's like, we're all worshiping, and I'm just standing there with my hands in my pockets. (laughs) This bothers him. (laughs) And I'm like, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. You always got to be ready. (laughs) Maybe a video photo moment. (laughs) I love that boy. He's hilarious. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so he's t- almost 12. He's going to get ready to turn 12. And so he's, he's starting to get the good old McFarlane fight in him, <laughs> which is good if you temper it <laughs> with the Lord. And so his advantage is he doesn't have an older brother. That gave him stitches over and over. All right, anyway, I'm not bitter about it. I just, you know, I could have looked better than I am now. (laughs) Anyway, so he says to me, or he'll get in arguments with his sisters. Of course, he has three moms. So you feel for him a little bit. Uh, Not a ton, but a little bit. 
I think mom feels more for him than I do. And so he'll lock down on an argument, and he's totally wrong. I mean, it's not even close. And so he'll, and he'll get more and more intense in it. And I'm like, buddy, really? This is the battlefield we want to die on? <laughs> no. So we need to have fight, but for the right thing. <laughs> right? Not for the wrong thing. Oh. In other words, I want to be poured out. We want to be poured out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we'll fight to the death against the devil. Does that make sense? So this, the Lord said this to me the other day, and he repeated it over and over. Sean, one of the most difficult things you're going to do is keep your mind in the realization that you are fighting not against flesh and blood. And he's right. You know that, Lord? He's right. He thinks he's God. <laughs> and he is, right? So I encourage you, as you're going through your days, weeks, all these things, Think this way. Well, it hurts my flesh. That's okay. Think of that in terms of burning flesh. The Lord goes, yeah, they're not responding. That's good. They're not responding out of that nature. They're responding out of Christ. In everything, guys. It doesn't mean you have to agree with a lie. It means you have to speak the truth in love. Okay? So I'm not saying we relinquish truth. I'm saying we do everything in love, right? That's the goal. That's where we're headed. We're growing into that. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.